Hello, what is the crack? Welcome to the Blind Boy Podcast. Um, before I continue this week, just I want I want to give a plug to an odd, another artist, not myself. So there's a musician called Amanda Palmer, and Amanda is a fucking legend. She used to be in a band called the Dresden Dolls. Now she does solo stuff and. Amanda is gigging in Ireland at the moment, but she gave me a shout. She gave me a shout uh, on Twitter and through some friends, wanting to wanting to meet up when she came to Ireland to be on this podcast for an interview. And unfortunately, our schedules don't fucking match up, so I can't chat to Amanda, which is a sickener, because I've been following her for a long time, and she's an absolute legend. And the thing with Amanda Palmer and why I'd love to chat to her so much so much of what she like she's not just a musician she do, she's also a public speaker but specifically what Amanda has been speaking about for a long time is like she's one of the first artists to truly come out and talk about the, the new model of how to fund musicians and artists I speak about it a lot you know I, I'll, I'll often mention that as a musician today, unless you're massive, you're not earning money through the f- traditional ways before, like uh, streaming or buying music. So in order to support independent artists now, you really need to be involved in crowdfunding. Now this is kind of normal. You know, we've got Patreon, we've got GoFundMe, things like that. Now it's, it's, it's no longer strange or seen as strange for an artist to say will you crowdfund my next project because I'm not earning money. Amanda was talking about this 2011, 2012, earlier, when nobody was talking about it. Amanda was talking about this when there was a kind of a climate of shame around it. Do you know? There was quite a climate of... A, a, an artist was expected to portray success, even uh, like financial success, even when that success wasn't happening. And Amanda was one of the first people to come out and she was doing TED Talks saying, here's the deal. This is how the music industry works. Um, the thing too with Amanda's, her career, she, she'd she be, like it's something I, I, I've mentioned before. Artists, real outsider artists in the 70s who are absolute legends. So like, I don't know, fucking Tom Waits, Kate Bush. Frank Zappa, artists that were deliberately going against the grain of what was popular and consistently taking creative risks to do weird, disturbing stuff. These artists, I don't think, would be able to survive or exist today. But back then, they were able to live quite comfortably and earn a living from their music and do quite well from it. Today, these artists can't exist because they were making money from selling albums like just selling albums was enough to keep them going that's gone now so Amanda is one of these artists who consistently like just wants to do weird creative things and she gave a she gave a talk was it a talk or a blog recently speaking about why the shit that she's doing creatively at the moment with her music 
if she was with a, a label, like a big label, if she, if she went to the label and said, this is what I'd like to do for the next album, the label would turn around with the business model and say, that sounds great, but you can't do that. So we need you to do this. We need you to stay within the constraints of what we know people want to hear and people want to sell. And this is the only way we will put your music out. And what that does across the board is it, it stifles music and creativity because the pot of money is smaller, you see, than it used to be. So therefore, people don't take risks. So Amanda Reeson was explaining about why she needs to maintain completely independent and to be funded by crowd support, by her fans, essentially, in order for her to make the best art that she needs to make. So that's why I'm giving a little plug for Amanda this week, because she also has a book. It's it's like a biography, but it also speaks about her advocacy for crowdfunding and the musical model. It's called The Art of Asking, if you want to read a good book by Amanda Palmer. So I want to give her a little plug because she absolutely deserves it. She's a legend. And this is this is the important thing to do. Also, not only uh, crowd support of artists, but other artists elevating and supporting other artists. So you have this community-based thing that can operate outside of record labels. And then hopefully everyone will be grand. So Amanda's gigging in Ireland this week if you're interested in going to her shows October 23rd she's going to be in the Opera House in Cork lovely venue I was there last week Uh, 24th up in Dublin in the National Concert Hall 26th of October she's in Ulster Hall in Belfast and then on the 27th of October she's in Limerick in the University Concert Hall and unfortunately I can't I fucking my, my, my schedule is conflicting so I can't go to the gigs and I can't meet with Amanda to have her on this fucking podcast to chat because I would have loved it. She is someone who really would have been a, a guest I would have wanted on for a long time. But fuck it, maybe some other time. All right, thank you for that. For thanks for listening to that and check out Amanda Palmer or the Dresden Dolls. Anyway, uh, just a little plug for my own shit. Nineteenth of November, twenty fourth of November, live podcast in Vicker Street. All right, you know the crack. Um, there's a few tickets left for that. Okay, so what do I want to talk about this week? I had a big giant musical hot take. A bit of a roaster. But I just... I was looking at the research that I had in front of me and looking at where I want to go with it. And I said to myself, no, this isn't ready. I need another few days at this in order to do it justice. And so I'm going to leave that off to possibly next week. I have a roaster of a hot take about music, which... It incorporates like a hundred years of history of music, so I want to make, and you know how much I fucking love music and the history of it. Like last week's podcast, and thank you for the feedback for that, was about Rococo art and Baroque art, but it covered quite a large uh, area of art history, you know, so that requires quite a bit of prep to get my head back into that space. So I want to do that properly for um, next week's podcast, we'll say, about the musical hot take and make sure that I have. Are my ducks in line? So this week, what I'm going to do, because I haven't had, I haven't done one in a while, and you've been asking, uh, like an agony ant slash questions podcast, because I put a call out on Instagram last night saying, "Look, here's the stick. Anyone have any questions for the podcast or any agony ant stuff?" 
and I gave people as well the option to DM me under anonymity and I got some great fucking questions uh, so I'd like to go through that this week and I like doing the question answering podcast again because it just democratises it it democratises the podcast as such and a lot of the things I've been asked what, what when I cho- like obviously I was asked hundreds of fucking questions so what I do is when I'm choosing questions I try and choose questions or problems that I think have a universality to them that aren't bizarrely specific but something something that I think all of you can relate to even if one or two of them are actually very specific because especially with mental health there are certain things that people struggle with with mental health and you can live in this kind of personal hell where you think this is bizarrely specific to you but it's not loads of other people go through it and when you find that out there's this massive weight off your shoulders if you get me so we'll get straight into this boys and girls alright so uh, one question I got um, was uh, blind by I have recently left an abusive relationship and I'm wondering could you speak about abusive relationships and the warning signs Um, I mean I'll try and answer based on you know what I know from psychology or what I've you know from listening to friends who've had that experience or just from what I've read Um, I mean firstly like you know I, I, I there's many different types of abuse. There's the the emotional and controlling abuse, and then there's you know actual physical abuse. And I imagine like with, with physical abuse, that's fairly black and white. If someone's physically hurting you and breaking your your boundaries, then it can be easier to identify. Oh shit, this is abusive. But what? The, the the emotional and psychological side of, of abuse in a relationship and the thing is too here's here's the shtick lads firstly it's it's not just male female it's also I mean I, I know lads who are most definitely in abusive relationships with women and and I'm saying that now I don't want it to sound like a fucking not all men comment the reason I'm drawing attention to it is that we tend to when we think of abusive relationships we tend to think of male and female abuse and I'm just drawing attention to the fact that yes there are men who are in abusive relationships the reason there's more focus on male and female abuse and this is what's important uh, and I'm not trying to diminish men who are in abusive relationships from women but like statistically women get killed in in abusive abusive relationships women are afraid for their lives and and murder happens a lot more and it's very common and so that's why we tend to focus more on male female abuse in relationships but there's also look I mean abuse within same sex relationships abuse you know abuse within any intimate relationship but also it doesn't even have to be a romantic relationship. A relationship is any any degree of intimacy that you kind of have with another person. 
and it doesn't have to be romantic so an, an abusive relationship doesn't have to be just a man abusing his girlfriend it can be a girlfriend who has is, is abusing the man and it can be abuse between best friends that's really common and people don't I don't see that spoken about as much kind of strange toxic friendships and a lot of the signals and signs are quite kind of similar whether it be a romantic relationship or just simply a friendship um, I'd imagine with romantic relationships it, it can be a bit more intense maybe but there's most certainly abusive friendships I know people who've spoken to me who needed to get the fuck out of friendships and what they were, were describing was control and abuse I mean I, I was a really early red flag and this is with anything a really early fucking red flag with anything like early early whether it be the start of, of a romantic relationship or the start of a a close friendship like you kind of watch out for how how the person speaks about people that they were either previously in a relationship or someone that they were friends with and aren't friends with anymore and often what you find and just what I notice is they tend to speak about the person it's they speak about the person quite negatively right now maybe the part maybe it was negative you know maybe maybe the other person that they're speaking about did some bad shit so it's justified but it tends to be they drop it's it's a tough one they kind of drop it in at times when it's not appropriate to the conversation it's kind of wedged in my ex was a bitch or I used to be friends with that person but they turned out to be a, a liar or a sneak I don't trust them or they're trying to engage in gossip about the person like another red flag too is when you're in a close relationship with someone or when you're in a close friendship you tend to learn intimate secrets about that person that's the nature of a close trusting relationship is you you share shit with that person that you're not going to share with someone else so if this new person you meet if they're quite liberal with intimate secrets and details about the person they were previously in a friendship or relationship with that for me is always a weird and as you get older so like I'm older now so if I'm if I'm chatting to someone and they say something about another person and I get a little tug in my heart that says I shouldn't know this I, I, this thing this, this private thing you just told me about this person that you sprang out of nowhere I shouldn't know this about that person that's really fucking private and I always see that as a bit of a red flag it's because it's how it's framed too it's, it's, it's how it's framed and it's when it's put into conversation so it's always put in it's wedged in and often the, it, it's the, the intent behind it it's it's like the person is trying to it's not just complaining or, or bad talking the other person it's like they're trying to reel you into a little new personal club where that other person is an enemy 
it's it's a strange little motivation where it's like I'm telling you this personal secret about this other person because I would like to form a bond with you and the basis of this bond is about this other person being nasty and mean to me and you kind of have a choice in that moment when you're younger it's harder you see because the thing with gossip and bitching about people that that does form human bonds it's it's a very useful human bond thing when you bitch or gossip about someone but it's a toxic bond and when I was younger and I was more naive and less emotionally intelligent I'd get dragged into it but as you get older then it's like no I don't want any part of that and I tell you why and this is this is a great rule if someone will bitch with you they'll bitch about you that's simple so just a great thing for self esteem stay the fuck out of any of it stay the fuck out of any of it now I'm not talking about if someone comes to you and says I need to tell you about this person because they are abusive that's different that's not bitching that's I, I'm, I'm trying to protect people by flagging something that's dodgy about someone and why you should get close to them but if it's just here's some private intimate details about someone because I've fallen out with them things that they once trusted me with but now I'm telling you as a weapon that's a number one red flag about whether a person is if whether if you get into a close either romantic or, or personal friendship with this person that there might be a risk of them trying to control and abuse you so that for me is always the absolute earliest red flag that uh, you might want to keep certain people at distance <clears throat> I have a lot of people like that in my life for years people who are like friends and who I'll speak with and who I'll meet and I'll say what's the fucking crack but any further attempt to ingratiate themselves as, as a friend I kind of keep that distance because I, I see the flags in how they speak about other people who get close to them and I go no that's not for me I don't want to get that involved and to go deeper in, in psychology around it with you know what, what 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 generally causes certain people to be like that there's many theories one of them that sticks out and it's it's within family systems uh, psychology it's called enmeshment right now my, my knowledge on enmeshment is a little bit hazy because I would have studied this in, in psychology fucking years ago but so enmeshment is it's it's when in in a family structure right there's a kind of a blurring of appropriate boundaries now there's many different types of blurring but the, the most classic one is a blurring between the parent and child relationship so enmeshment occurs when the, the most common one is it's it's when a parent is best friends with their child okay now what i mean by that is like if if a when a parent right okay so a parent is a fucking adult a child is not an adult there's complexities in adult life to do with emotions or sex or intimacy there's a complexity to adult life that children are not ready for children don't have the experience 
for the complexities of adult, adult life and that their brains aren't developed enough. So sometimes certain parents can kind of almost use their child as an emotional crutch. It's like if you're feeling depressed or if you're having, let's you know, if you're a single parent and you're having relationship issues, shit that you kind of should be confiding and divulging to another adult for emotional support, some parents can do this with their children. And they're offloading onto their children deeply complex personal emotional issues onto the child, but the child isn't actually emotionally are intellectually ready for it and what happens there is is a blurring of boundaries the little child looks up to the parent it's the classic look we've all seen our fucking parents crying when you're a little small child and you see your parent crying it's fucking terrifying because it's like Oh shit, I thought crying was the thing I'm supposed to do. I thought I'm supposed to be the one that cries, but you're the adult. Adults don't cry. What's that about? And it's very frightening and complex to see a parent crying. And, like, on the one hand, like, there's obviously a healthy way to express tears and shit around children. I'm not saying shelter children from tears, but some parents will... And it's it's enmeshment. It's it, it's it's something that's used within within psychology, right, to understand and describe family dysfunction. It's not a healthy thing. When when enmeshment occurs, it's unhealthy. So it it's when a parent is oversharing with a child, whether this be about relationships, whether it be about their mental health, whether it be about sex, and the child becomes a best fucking friend. When really what the parent needs is all this shit you're getting off your fucking chest. You need an adult for this. Okay? Now maybe the parent doesn't have it. Maybe they have a spouse who's completely emotionally unavailable or who's always fighting with them. Um, another classic of enmeshment is uh, parents fighting and wanting the child to take sides. Um, Expecting... What it re- what it results in is is a when the child then doesn't have clear boundaries. It's like yesterday you fucking made my cocoa pops and got me dressed, and then today you're you're bawling crying about your relationship with with my ma or da falling apart, and this is too much and it's really frightening and. W- what what enmeshment can cause is it's issues with identity and self-esteem in the person also it like the enmeshed child the child that's that's experiencing enmeshment from a parent or from an older sibling even they have difficulty forming a strong sense of self-identity and self-esteem because their sense of self is blurred from the start. Today I'm a child, tomorrow I'm an adult, but I'm not ready to be. I don't know what you want from me, ma or da. I don't know what the fuck this is. And that's heavy as fuck for a child. Because the child is developing. 
the child is forming their personality. So a lot of like those red flags I mentioned before it can sometimes but not always I'll never be black and white about something but sometimes its roots can be from a person who experienced enmeshment as a a child and and the thing is too with with enmeshment is it can kind of go two ways right so the adult who was around enmeshment as a child this inevitably affects their relationships as an adult again whether it be intimate romantic relationships or simply just close friendships because I don't really differentiate the two um, it, it, it can it can cause the person to be standoffish it, it, can, it can result in an all or nothing thing which is either like standoffish and a lack of intimacy or extreme intimacy and the utter and absolute desire to give 100% of yourself to another person and to expect that from the other person but ultimately a blurring of boundaries the enmeshed person in an adult relationship can have difficulty with a sense of autonomy within a relationship which is really important a relationship is composed of two people there's elements of a relationship intimate or friendship whereby two people become one and that's the joy of fucking relationships. That's the joy of it. It's becoming one with another person. And you have this lovely communal fucking feeling that shoots off endorphins in the brain. And that's fantastic. And that's the dragon that we as humans chase when we're looking for connections with other humans. But you at the same time have to be able to maintain a degree of autonomy within that. Where you're able to walk away and still be you within a relationship. And to have a solid sense of self. And... To be allowed and capable to have space within a relationship. People who had a meshed childhoods can have difficulty around those boundaries. And it can result then in dysfunctional behaviour in relationships. And this is what I was saying when the person is like... Talking about their ex-best friend or their ex-girlfriend or their ex-boyfriend and it's like... The shit that they're telling you. It's like you're telling me really fucking intimate secrets about this person. That are making me feel uncomfortable. I shouldn't fucking be hearing this. I shouldn't know about it. And this person told you this in confidence. That there I I think that's a real flag of enmeshment. But also it's a very early flag of of abuse. The other thing too with, with enmeshment is. Some people can go the other route. And people who experience enmeshment as children are the ones who end up in abusive and controlling relationships. Because their relationship with a parent was essentially one of emotional abuse. To, if you're an adult parent and you're offloading your complex personal shit on a child, that's. It's in the ballpark of abuse. It really fucking is. When you step back from it, it's in the fucking ballpark of abuse because the child experiences it as such. And it's very controlling. And it doesn't allow the child autonomy to be a fucking child. Children don't have to deal with adult shit. You have to figure out a way to prepare a child for the complexities of adult life. But it must occur 
in their language and their frame of reference not in an adult frame of reference that's inappropriate so you can find some people who experience enmeshment and they actually end up unconsciously finding themselves attracted to abusive relationships because they're in their deep unconscious trying to find a parent trying to find parental love within dysfunction almost like when I speak about transaction analysis finding a, a, either a romantic partner or a best friend and reliving dysfunction and patterns and what you're ultimately doing is trying to get your brain back to when you were three and your father or mother was offloading a bunch of shit on you or controlling you so like I'm not sure where I was going with that, but I was trying to f- provide some context for certain degrees of abuse. And, and, and like I said, I'm by no means being global or black and white with that statement. That's just one specific kind. And I'm not an expert in this field by any fucking means. I just know a little bit. Another big red flag. And I'm steering clear of the obvious ones, right? But uh, I'm talking about the more covert ones that are harder to identify and understand. And if you don't flag them before you know it, you're in an abusive relationship. Um, Being around the person, right? Again, either romantic or friendship. and, And you end up finding with this particular person. It starts with an intense desire for their approval. And when they approve of you and they give you a pat on the head or they laugh at your joke or do something, you feel fucking great. But it's accompanied by an uneasy feeling. A feeling of not being relaxed. A feeling of... It it, it can morph into... Like you, you have to compare and contrast with relationships you have with other people. So if you feel relaxed around other people and your friendships with other people, you can kind of take or leave or you're not overly worried about what you say around them or what they think of you. But if there's one particular person and you kind of feel like you're walking on eggshells and their approval means an awful lot and their disapproval means an awful lot that often means that that person whether they're aware of it or not is is quite skillfully drawing and dragging you into a relationship that's quite one-sided and based on control and eventually abuse do you know what I mean? um I mean, does the person, often what's accompanied as well with these type of people, with people who have a tendency to control and abuse, they can be quite arbitrary in their approval and disapproval. Like, you could arrange to meet for a fucking coffee and you turn up and they're just in a shit mood for no fucking reason, but you're at the receiving end of it. So it's not a shit mood in terms of, like, it's okay to be in a shit mood. It's okay to arrange for a coffee with your friend or your partner and you arrive and they're upset. That's okay. But if they're upset is a, a kind of a silent anger, right, that leaves you feeling, what have I done? But there's no actual rational reason. So then you start thinking to yourself, 
what have I done to make this person so upset? And then before you know it, you are now behaving like a little puppy, a little lap dog. Because you ultimately just want to do whatever it takes to make this person's angry mood go away so that you're good again. These are all real early signs of controlling and abusive relationships. And the problem is, it's so easy to get fucking sucked into it. It's so fucking easy. It happens to a lot of people. It's so fucking simple. And you have to have a lot of self-worth and self-esteem to be able to walk away from them. Like, thinking back now that I realise, especially in my late teens and early 20s when I had my mental health issues, I'm now realising I did have a few friendships like that never relationships but friendships like that where these things are kind of making sense to me and it takes a lot a lot of confidence and self esteem to go I don't want to be around that person fuck fuck am I doing that for I, I could be I could be throwing fucking bread at swans and instead I'm in a coffee shop standing across from someone who's not only who's upset which is their entitlement, but their upsetness is manifesting itself as a silent anger that is that I'm blaming myself over. Fuck do I want to be around that person for? Do you know what I mean? But it takes a lot of maturity and self-esteem and understanding your own self-worth and understanding the value of your own time to be able to confidently walk away from that. But if you're insecure or you have self-doubt, and when you're insecure and your self-esteem is low, and you feel like a piece of shit, right? Because let's be honest, no one has mental health fucking issues if there's not also other self-esteem issues. So when your self-esteem is low, you feel like a piece of shit, okay? Your own self-talk and the inside of your mind is that I am unfucking worthy and everyone on the outside can see how shit I am. So therefore... I have to put this extra layer of effort in with everybody so that I can get their approval. Which is, oh God, it's such a fucking, it's a tough way to live. It's a tough way to fucking live and it takes a lot of work to get out of it. But when you live that way and when that's your lived experience of having low self-esteem, these relationships and friendships can drag you in. You know? Um... Another covert sign that I would say too, and this develops more into the friendship and the relationship, is so you're, you're spending time with this person. Yes, they're your friend. Yes, you're telling yourself they're class and I love being around them. Isn't, isn't this brilliant? But you have this general feeling of fear and walking on eggshells, Right? That will eventually turn into a, a slow hum of internal anger in yourself, right? So here's another thing. So with your partner, romantic partner, or best friend, okay? And this could happen after a couple of years, after a couple of months. When you're on your own, do you ever, get, do you ever fucking grit your teeth in furious fucking anger and fantasize about screaming into their face or hitting them? Do you replay in your head loads and loads and loads 
fantasy arguments that you'd like to have with this person about what you'd actually like to say to them or do you want to pull them up on that shitty little comment that they so expertly passed in last week that was so shocking that you weren't able to flag it in the moment so you just left it within yourself as this little horrible sting that made you feel like shit do you spend private time fucking furious with a person who's supposed to be your friend and care about you like a lot of time that's an internal sign sometimes that you're in a dysfunctional fucking a dysfunctional friendship or relationship where you may be being controlled or abused it's it's very much a sign does the thought of like does the thought of standing up to this person or does the thought of of saying to this person we need to speak because there's a load of shit you've said and done recently and I need to air this out and I need to speak with this about you with you does the thought of that sound terrifying right and the interesting thing with that the, the terror around that is is it's 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 like you let the the anger build up so much that you'd be afraid to confront this person because you don't know how to express the it's 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 like a fear that you'll explode like a fucking volcano and end up smashing shit up in a fucking cafe publicly because you've secretly like abusive relationships will really fuck with your self-esteem as well. Abusive and controlling relationships because even if you have low self-esteem, there, we, we all still have that fucking intrinsic value thing. We all deep, deep down in all of us, we all know, even though you have to fucking pull away the mud and dirt to be able to see it, all of us know that we have this intrinsic fucking value that means that no one else is actually better than us even though they might have cool clothes or a better job, we all know real deep down we're all the fucking same. Self-esteem issues will get on top of that and it'll confuse you, but deep down we know this. And that's what informs the anger and injustice when you're being controlled or, or, or abused emotionally and psychologically. So there are other red flags. If, if, if you spend a lot of time fantasizing about arguments and wanting to really say to this person you know wanting to flag some shit with them and they're supposed to be a close friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend that that's to feel like that is it's let's just say it's not the symptom of a, of a fucking healthy egalitarian relationship put it that way then like the more obvious fucking signs lads is in romantic relationships, intense jealousy isn't great. The other person being intensely jealous and monitoring and fucking controlling your appearance. Who are you texting? Are they fucking robbing your phone out of your hand? Do they demand to know your passwords? And and that's a tough one, you see. And, and it's a common one with fucking enmeshment. Anytime... I hear people who are in a fucking romantic relationship with each other and they're bragging about sharing their fucking passwords with each other. 
it just leaves a little weird knot in my belly because it's framed as we trust each other so much we share each other's fucking passwords with, with each other but you know behind it it's it's not that it's a deep distrust and control that has been reframed as our love is so great we know each other's fucking Bebo passwords like no it's the blurring of boundaries it's if you're to be in a relationship with fucking anyone, you got to be autonomous and you got to have trust. And people are entitled to have privacy, even in a fucking relationship, even in a marriage. You're entitled to privacy, autonomy, and to be you. Because you've been you since you were fucking born. You're born into the world fucking alone. You're going to die alone. Along the way, you're going to meet friends and partners. And if you're lucky enough, you'll fucking you know, get married and have someone who's the closest person to you ever, but ultimately, you're you, and you've always been you, and there's no such thing as 100% meshing and emerging with another person to create this new fucking being with two heads. doesn't exist. So you have to have a degree of independence and autonomy within any relationship or friendship, and... That independence and autonomy shouldn't cause anxiety or fear in the relationship. It just fucking shouldn't. And if it causes the other person to say, no, you can't have autonomy, you can't have independence, I must have access to every single degree of your privacy, then that's fucking abuse. I mean, to to take it to the far fucking examples, I can't remember his name, but he was a British TV presenter. And his girlfriend actually took him to court over it, but for years, like, he forced her not only access to passwords and shit like that, he forced her to write an intimate diary every single day about every single one of her thoughts and her desires and all of this for him to have access to. It's like... He needed access to her full brain and emotions and unconscious mind as as this way to control. And it's always fear-based. The fear of being left. And it's the person, the person who's doing that to the abuser. You have to work on your fucking self-esteem. You have to work on your self-esteem. And you have to work on respect for other people and other people's boundaries. And... If you genuinely fucking can't trust your friend or partner, then you have to have the self-esteem to go, maybe they're not the right person for me. But if you're being excessively jealous and demanding to break that person's boundaries based on no fucking evidence, that's you. That's 100% you. That's your shit. And now another person's dealing with it. Fuck that. Fuck that. Um... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Excessive criticising. Changing how you're fucking dressing. Going out on a night out, having a lovely fucking night. You great crack and you come back in. And then the first thing that happens is the other person is saying, that thing you said to that person earlier was was fucking stupid. You made yourself look like an idiot. This, like it's hard enough being a human and fucking critiquing yourself. Like you know when you go out on the fucking lash and the next day you have the fear. So you're like, oh fuck, what did I say to that person last night? Oh no, did I make a fool of myself? Like we already as humans have that. That's hard enough. So when your partner is acting as that on your fucking behalf, fuck that. The way you spoke to that person, it was like you were flirting with them. Or those clothes you wore invited the eyes of people. Or when you opened your mouth around that person, you were fucking uh, sounded stupid. Fuck that. So those are signs. So that's, that's as far as I'll get into it, right? Um, I mean, there's man, there's the, look it up online. You find loads of uh, women's aid group and partic- groups in particular that'll go into the like it's 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 a spiral and a scale. And I, I just I don't want to be going into fucking domestic abuse, uh, the physical side of it. I don't want to be going that far because I'm. It's not my story to fucking tell, and it can be very. It could be very triggering for any of you who are listening who have lived through it. And I just don't I don't want to be speaking on something that uh, I don't have personal fucking experience of. In case I say something that's really fucking stupid as a result of my privilege. So I, I would hate to cause emotional harm to one of ye listening uh, by, by me saying something that's, that's ignorant and uninformed. I, I'd hate to do that. Um... Maybe sometime down the line, if, if we did want to explore that with a podcast, I'd bring someone on who is uh, either working with people in domestic abuse or is a, a survivor of it, you know. But it's it's not one for me and my hot takes, to be honest. What I am comfortable talking with is talking about early signs of abuse in relationships and friendships. and Because and, they're the insidious ones. They're They're the ones that are hard to fucking spot. And for me to start talking about what's it like when you're actually now being physically abused, that's out of my depth. That's out of my depth. But what I will say is, like, I don't know, womensaid.ie has a good uh, good sections on that, you know, to get a look at that. Uh, there's a free helpline for it, actually, 1-800-341-900, and that's the Women's Aid helpline. Okay. What else were you asking me? Shit, 40 minutes and no ocarina pause. Hold on. I've got the gammy ocarina again. Hold on, better one over here. It has more tones. Oh, there we go. 
that was the ocarina pause there was an advert in there for a lot of bullshit i don't know what it was this podcast is supported by you the listener the reason i deliver this podcast every fucking week to you all right even though some weeks a little bit too busy for it the reason i fucking do this as my job is because ye support me as if this was my job ye support me if this is my fucking job so i turn up to work every fucking wednesday because of ye and you do this by going to my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash the blind by podcast. And it's the price of a pint or a cup of coffee once a month. If if you listen to me every fucking week and if you're getting enjoyment out of it and you like it and you kind of want to give something back, what I'd say to you is, you know, you're not going to meet me in a coffee shop because I have a fucking bag in my head and I don't want to be meeting people in a coffee shop or in, in a pub. I like to have a quiet life. But in a fantasy universe, whereby if you did come across me in a, in a pub or a coffee shop, would you say to yourself, Jesus blind boy, I like listening to your podcast. Can I get you a coffee or can I get you a pint once a month? Well, you can do it digitally via the Patreon page. And if you can afford it, please fucking do because... Like I said, that's my job. That's what keeps me going. That's what helps me pay my fucking bills. Um, It's life-changing for me. So if you can do that, please do. And if you can't do it, you can listen for free. It's a model based on soundness. You absolute cunts. Right, what else have we got? Blind by... I am 33. I used to love hip-hop growing up. Wu-Tang, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem. I've heard you mention that you like today's hip-hop. Trap stuff. I think it's utter shite. But I really want to like it. What should I do? Oh. Juicy, juicy, bye. Um. Yeah, that's... Like, I, I like... This weird shit happens where, like... You get into your fucking mid-twenties and you stop listening to music, do you know? And I've always made a point, I fucking refuse, I refuse to let that happen. I love music too fucking much for me to cut off at a point in my life to go, that's it, I'm done with music. And everything I listened to when I was younger was class and everything now is shit. I won't allow myself to do it because it's not true. It's fucking not true. When people say to you, music was class 10 years ago. Music was class 20 years ago. It's easy. The thing is, the cream rises to the fucking top, lads. So, the shite just disappears. So, if you go back to the 90s, or you go back to the 2000s, and you want to search for tunes, all the best stuff rises to the top, and you end up thinking, wow, it was amazing back then. But go on to Spotify. I do it sometimes. Go get a deep dive deep dive into some shit from the 2000s listen to some fucking grunge bands that never made it from 1992 listen to some some of Nelly's album tracks there's always shite but the thing is when you listen to music now you can't you, you have to really identify the shite from the gold you have to really listen for it so because it takes hindsight for the cream to rise to the top. So in, in 20 years we'd be able to look back at the music now. And the class stuff will have survived. And the shite will have just dissipated. And you have to really search for it. But it's there. So to answer your specific question. Right really quickly. 
there's fucking amazing stuff happening at the moment. There is. Who am I listening to at the moment in rap? Right now, fella called Cometazine, uh, Denzel Curry. Incredible stuff. But, what I would say to you, sir, if you grew up listening to Wu-Tang, Snoop Dogg, and you want to listen to trap now, today's rap music, it's a bit of a leap, right? And I can appreciate why when you listen to today's rap artists, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? Because it's very, very different to the way rap was in the early 2000s and in the 90s. It's very different to the point that I often wonder should it be considered a different fucking genre in the way that if you think of the late 80s, you know, there was kind of disco soul, Michael Jackson, Princey, that that stuff. And then all of a sudden around the 90s, this new R&B comes around, New Jack Swing, which was a separate genre. I think rap... And what we call like trap or drill and shit like that. I think that's happening now. But what I would say to you. There's a there's an album. And it's one of the fucking best albums of the past 10 years in hip hop. Possibly the best. No, I won't say the best. My favourite of the past decade. Hip hop album. And this album. Sonically and consciously perfectly bridges the gap. Between old school west coast hip-hop and modern trap like it it goes it it, the whole purpose of the album sonically is to do this mix the two of them together it's called good kid mad city by kendrick lamar start to finish perfection but sonically it's like one side of it is is old 90s g-funk and then the other side is modern fucking trap bass and it's from 2013 like so it's already fucking six years old. Okay, so it's not necessarily cutting edge right now. But I just think to someone who's in their fucking 30s who used to like hip-hop and you want to try and listen to hip-hop now, listen to that and it will bridge the gap in understanding so that you can have a set of ears on you that will be able to listen to contemporary rap. And trust me, a lot of it is fucking amazing. There's some incredible rap. Incredible music across the board happening. There's brilliant music happening right now. Like outside of fucking trap. Who am I listening to? My favourite artist at the moment is a fella called Gus Dapperton. He's about 19. Unbelievable songwriter. Kind of. Doing his own thing. But also has one foot in like. Almost prefab sprout weird 80s shit kind of I might be giants or they might be giants scritty politty this type of shit but also his own thing going on but at the core of it an incredible songwriter if it was just himself and a guitar vocal and voice do the songs work yes they do boom good song that's all you need so like Gus Dapperton that's who I'm listening to at the moment even though he's not hip hop but yes, there's amazing music. There's always amazing music happening. You just have to look for it. And one of my favourite things in the world to do is to go onto Spotify or YouTube and fucking have a bit of baldy and trudge through the shite up to my neck in shit searching for those lumps of gold and I'll come away with about two of them each night and it's one of the most satisfying fucking feelings in the world. I love it. Okay. Blind by. Uh, 
where is it now? Blind by I'm in my late 20s and I feel like I'm wasting my life. I have a good job and a happy relationship with my girlfriend, but I drink and smoke every night. I'm not an alcoholic and I'm functioning well, but I do have a problem with drinking. Why might people do this? How do I sort myself out? Um, so, yeah, right, right there. General rule, okay? If, if you're asking yourself... You know, around concerns about drinking... Or if you're typing into Google, how do I stop drinking? Or if you're typing into Google, what are the symptoms of alcoholism? The action of inquiry should be a little red flag that there's the beginnings of an issue. Do you get me? And like what you've described there, that's something for all of us to watch out for. That's every fucking one of us to be have flags around. Because, I, like, I speak about... As you know, I fucking love a drink. I love taking a drink, all right? I, I do enjoy alcohol. But I'm very aware and conscious of my relationship with it. And I'm always stressing with you, regarding any substance, what is your personal relationship with the substance? If you're drinking, is drink making you angry? Is it making you upset? Then drink's not for you, okay? But some people, myself included, drink doesn't make me angry, drink doesn't make me upset. When I drink and I get a bit drunk... It improves my mood and I enjoy it and I have a good time and I treat it as a reward system and I'll keep it to twice a month or once a week and I keep an eye on it and I, I, I you know, I use, I do use Drink Aware, the website, to see what are the healthy amount of units and things like that because I want to be conscious of, of just my physical health too. So I'm comfortable with, say, with my own drinking but what you've described there, like it's it's something we have to all be very, very cautious about because alcoholism is a slow, slippery slope. And like you know, if you're saying like you've got a you're happy you're you're happy in your job, you're in a happy relationship with your girlfriend, but yet you're drinking and smoking every night. I mean, it, it's it's one to what I, I can't tell you what your own personal reasons are. Um, I mean, okay, for myself personally, what have I started doing? So I, I, the first thing you can do there, first thing, don't have drink in the house. That's the f- number one thing there. Don't have drink in the house. I've stopped having drink in my gaff. Okay. I will not have, and I, I started this about two months ago, three months ago, I won't have cans lying around in my house. I won't have it. In the same way that, you know, if I'm exercising and I'm trying to keep an eye on my weight, like, I know that if you're exercising, going to the gym and, and fucking running and you're trying to stay fit and healthy and flexible, as I try and do... If you have a lot of biscuits and Kit Kats around the gaff and, and crisps, you're fucked, right? So I simply don't buy crisps and Kit Kats and biscuits. They're just not in my gaff. They're, they don't exist. And if I really want a Snickers, really want one, I have to go, well, I have to go to the shop now to buy a Snickers, which is a journey with purpose. And I have to get up on my fucking bicycle 
And more often than not, I go, I don't really need the Snickers. But if it was in the cupboard, I'd be eating that fucking Snickers. So I do the same thing with drink. I don't have drink in my house. If I... And I tell you how I arrived at this. I found myself drinking out of boredom. There was a few bottles of wine around the place. There was a few cans around the place. And I found myself drinking out of boredom. Where it got to nine o'clock at night and usually the podcast would be done and I'd have this sense of I need to reward myself somehow and instead of having a cup of tea and finding a decent YouTube video or playing a video game and relaxing that way I was like nah fuck it I'll I'll have a few rips out of the bong and a few cans and listen to a lot of tunes even though it's Wednesday and I'd do it but it didn't feel the same and then I realised fuck it I was I was drinking there just because I was bored and I identified that as being toxic. I don't want that. If I'm to have fucking cans and a smoke, it's I'm kind of planning it. It's like this Saturday now, I'm going to get I'm going to make myself a lovely dinner. I'm going to have this amount of cans. I'm going to have a bit of baldy. I know what music I'm going to listen to. I've it planned as a little event that I want to do and 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 I give meaning to it and it's enjoyable. But when it's just like, I'm fucking bored, I'll have a bottle of wine. No, that's no crack. So I stopped, stopped having it in the house. So that, that was the number one thing I did. And that's what I would suggest that you try, okay? Don't buy cans or wine or have it in the gaff. And it's not that hard to not buy. It depends what your relationship is with weed. If you're smoking weed every night, that's not good, right? And I guarantee you it's not even fun. Like the whole, sh- if you have a healthy relationship with drink or weed, the reason you do it is that it's an, it's an enhancement, it's a treat, it's enjoyable, it's fun, you know? If you do it loads, it stops being fucking fun, so what's the point? So stop buying fucking weed, or if, if, if it's with fucking weed, I don't know, leave it with a friend, have your little fucking bag of weed and leave it with a friend or hide it in the bow of a tree somewhere in a bag in a jar and know that because I can't really say to you don't have weed in the house because it's harder to get with cans it's like don't have cans in the house and if you fucking really want a can then you have to get off your hole and go to the shop right now if you do that and the desire for a can is so much that you're willing to get off your hole and go to the shop every single night that's not great with weed Put it into a jar and, and bury it somewhere that takes a bit of effort to go there. So remove it from your life, firstly. Investigate the reasons why you're doing it. Are you doing it out of boredom? Are you self-medicating for anxiety or depression? Because that's a common enough one. You want to fucking keep an eye on that. Is is your Are you self-medicating for existential anxiety? Are you self-medicating for a, lack, a sense of meaninglessness in your life? Okay? And then finally, because again, I don't know how honest you're being with me with this question. I don't know. But for anyone who's worried about drink or or substances, people don't, like, organisations like AA and NA, okay? Now, I know some people are going to be critical of the models that these fucking things use. And to an extent, sometimes I am. Like, I'm not crazy about when you go to a the higher power business because I don't really have a higher power as such. But 
one thing I can fucking tell you is I know a lot of people, okay, who were, whose lives were consumed by addiction, whether it be drink or drugs, and AA is what keeps them sober and happy and are new people. And, and the thing about AA is, and NA, like the mental health services in this country are quite poor. It's hard to access mental health services. But with addiction, it's it's not that hard to find an AA meeting or an NA meeting. I mean, there's about three a week. In a city like Limerick or Cork, you'll, you'll probably find an AA meeting every single day, sometimes twice a day, you know? So d- don't feel shame around... We, we tend to think of AA because of how it's portrayed in, in the media as somewhere you go to if you're literally in the gutter with drink and ready to die no it it is you know you know some people they reach rock bottom to go there and it, they tend to say the people who've reached rock bottom only then are they ready to conquer their addiction but if if like you're asking me there you know you're concerned about your drinking if you can do that thing where it's like stop buying drink stop buying weed don't have it in the house and see how you get on. If you can manage it that way, then fair fucking play to you. You know, replace it with a bit of meditation. Replace it with exercise. See how you get on. If that becomes impossible, then, right, then you're you're facing addiction issues. Okay? I can happily not have cans in my house. And if if tonight we'll say... I feel bored and I go, fuck it, I'd love a can. I'm not getting onto my bicycle and going to the fucking shop to get cans. It's not happening. It's not happening. I'm just going to say, no, I can't be fucking arsed that much. I'll crack open the Xbox and within two minutes I've forgotten that I kind of wanted a can. But if the cans were there, then I'm drinking. Do you get me? Have a go at that. But if you can't do that, then... You might have an addiction issue, and there's many different ways you can go about it. If you have the, if you have the money, you can seek out therapy, right? If you have the money for it. But if you don't have the fucking money, don't feel ashamed to rock on up to an AA meeting and to go in there and to say, "This is where I'm at, and I want to be a part of a community, and I want to listen to people, and I want to talk, and I want help." Don't be fucking ashamed to do that, and because it's a common thing. Obviously, people will say this to me a lot. I'm concerned about my fucking drinking. And when you say AA to people, they go, oh, no, 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 I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. But it's like, all right, are you going to wait another five years until you are? And then you've damaged your body physically? Your fucking liver and shit like that? No. Fuck that. Reduce shame around addiction. There is no fucking shame. Go to AA. Go to NA. Two seconds into Google, you'll find a meeting within the next two days in your locality. Rock on up. No one has to know your fucking name. You don't even have to speak the first time you're there if you don't want to. Just listen and give it a go, all right? If you're worried, that's all I can say. All right, I'm going to leave you go because that was 66 minutes. I only answered three questions. I thought I'd answer a lot more. Hope you found that helpful. I'll be back next week with a, a musical hot take.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 